Well, welcome to Central. We're so glad you're here with us today, where we seek transformation through the renewing work of the Lord Jesus. We say that every week. And friends, what that means is we truly believe that Jesus has the power to change your life. That's why we're here. We worship a God who can change your life. He can change anyone's life. That's what this book of Hebrews is all about that we're studying. We believe that the Lord can change anybody's life, including these Jewish background Christians who were really struggling to live for Jesus where they were in Rome. This pastor wrote this letter. It was a sermon letter he wrote to these Christians who were struggling and they were thinking about giving up, giving up on the Christian faith. And the pastor we studied last week at the first half of chapter six, he was saying, don't turn back. Don't give up on Jesus. Cling to Jesus all the way through your life, all the way down, and Jesus will never fail you. He'll never fail you. But it can be hard. It can be hard, can it? It can be hard to live for Jesus. It's hard to trust Jesus when we think, I didn't know that it was going to be like this. I didn't know that it was going to be like this. And some of us we're sold a bill of goods along the way where we were told, follow Jesus and all your troubles are going to go away. If you just follow Jesus, then your life's going to get easier. It's going to be uh, simpler to manage. Your stress is going to go away. Your finances are going to all fall in order. It's going to magically appear, yada, yada, yada. But those sound a whole lot more like the lies of the devil to me because the Bible never says that. But we doubt, don't we? Sometimes we doubt. At least I do sometimes. Lord, I didn't know it was going to be this hard to trust you when the spouse leaves. I didn't know it was going to be this hard when I was battling a chronic illness. I didn't know it was going to be like this when I had to bury a child. Or when facing a depression that's gone on so long and it won't lift. And no matter how hard I pray, Lord, it's just not going away. I didn't know it was going to be like this when you call me to care for an ill spouse for so long. I don't know how long I can keep doing this, Lord. I didn't know it was going to be like this. I didn't know how hard it was going to be to trust you when I'm disappointed because sometimes your people are really untrustworthy. I didn't know it was going to be like that. I didn't know, Lord, it was going to be so hard to trust that you can love me, but then I can't love myself. Because I act like such a fool sometimes. I just give in to my sins and I can't see how you can love me because I sure can't see my way to love myself. Lord, it's hard to trust you when I can't grasp how hard it was going to be. But the truth is, the incredible thing is that God knows this about us. He knows that about us, and this text tells us that he wants to give us strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that he sets before us. He knows how hard it is to live in trust in a world filled with mistrust and lies and heartache and broken promises, and so he sets before us the story of Abraham. What do we learn about being heirs of the promise, steadfast promises from the story of Abraham. Let's pray and ask the Lord to open our eyes that we might live in trust. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes of our hearts and give us 
soft hearts of belief. Help us to follow you in trust because many of us are walking hard roads. Strengthen us, we pray. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer and the anchor of our souls. Lord, speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 6, beginning in verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God will stand forever. In our text, the Lord gives us three reasons to have strong encouragement to trust Him. And these are the three. They are His oath, His character, and His Son. His oath, his character, and his son. So let's look at those one following the other. First, we can trust God because of his oath. Look at verse 13. It says that God made a promise to Abraham in verse 14. This is the promise. Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And then verse 15. Thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Here, these Jewish background Christians knew all about Abraham, the the founder of the people of God. So, the the writer goes back to the, the promise given in Genesis, where God calls Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and would make a special people for himself, a, a people of his own possession, a nation for his blessing. And so if you remember the the story, how it goes, that God called his people in chapter 12 of Genesis and Abraham was 75 years old and he and Sarah were childless. That's quite a promise to make, quite a promise to make a mighty nation, a a nation of of people more, more numerous than the sands on the seashore to a childless couple at 75 past childbearing age, and it was easy for Abraham and Sarah to doubt that God would keep an outrageous promise like that. And then they waited. Ten more years they waited, and God had still not fulfilled that promise. How can we become a mighty family when we're now 85 and have no children? 
And so God, so Abraham asked God for a sign to reassure his, his tender and his wavering faith. So in chapter 15, Abraham asked God, how can I know? How can I know, God, that I can be sure of the promise that you've given me? Have you ever asked God something like that? How can I know that you're going to keep your promise, Lord? I know I've asked God something like that. Abraham asked God again in chapter 17. God, how can I know that you're going to keep your promise? Now, it would be easy to assume that God would be angry about that. Or at the very least, God would be offended that Abraham would have doubts, that there would be difficulty in believing that God's going to keep his promise. But that's not how God treated Abraham. It's not how God treats us either. But rather, it says that God made an oath to Abraham. In addition to this promise that God made, he added an oath. Now, why do people make oaths? I mean, people like us, like for example, in in a marriage ceremony, why do we make oaths? Why do we make a vow and pledge our lives to our spouse till death do us part? Or in a court of law, why do we put our hands on a Bible and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Why do we take oaths? Well, we take oaths because people are liars. All of us are. So when we want to reassure someone that the words that we speak carry extra weight, when we want to make certain that someone knows that the words we say are true upon some pain of loss, of the pain of going to jail, when we want to make certain that somebody knows that we are serious about the words we're saying right now, we add to the promise we're making, we add an oath, right? That's how we do it as people. But God's not like us. Verse 18 says it's impossible for God to lie. But nevertheless, in addition to making a promise, God condescended to our weakness. God, knowing our difficulty in trusting, added to his unbreakable promise, God condescended to us and made an oath. Isn't that incredible? Knowing how frail we are and how hard a time we have in trusting someone, knowing that everybody else we have relationship with, everybody else in our lives breaks trust. Every other human being we know tells a lie. Everybody else we know has violated trust. We live in a broken world with broken trust and our Lord is so tender that he's condescended to our weakness. That in addition to making a promise that by definition, God would never break. That in addition to making that promise, God added an oath so that we know we can trust him more fully. Isn't that incredible? How tender our God. When he could be angry, he could have been offended at Abraham's inability to trust his doubt or our inability to trust and doubt. But the Lord moves toward us and adds an oath to his promise. But what oath? Well, there's discussion among scholars of the Old Testament, but I think what the pastor's referring to here is the oath that God offered in Genesis 15. In those days when people were making a promise to each other, when they were making a covenant with one another, they would sacrifice an animal. They would split the carcass, and when they would make a promise, they would walk, the two people making a promise would walk side by side between the carcass of the animal, saying, if either of us break this promise, 
may we lose our lives like this animal lost its life. They made promises of life and death. But when God swore his oath to Abraham, he passed between the carcass of the animal all by himself. Abraham was asleep. God passed between it as a, as a smoking fire pot. Abraham was, was it party to it. So what God was saying is, Abraham, keeping my promise, making you a great nation, to bless you above all nations, to protect you and keep you, for me to be your God and you to be my people, the fulfillment of all those promises, Abraham, it's all on me. The Lord pledged his life to fulfill his promises to Abraham. It's all on me, Abraham. Keeping this promise rests on my shoulders. God always keeps his promises. And he, he fulfilled or he reiterated that oath again when God called Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. You remember in chapter 22, Isaac was that child of the covenant that had finally been given. And God called him to take Isaac and sacrifice him, that child through whom all these children would, would come, this mighty nation would come. And the Lord called Abraham to place Isaac on the, on the altar and sacrifice. And at the last moment, the Lord said, stop. And he provided the ram. Instead, the Lord provided a substitute because God always keeps his promise to his people, even to his own harm. The Lord always keeps his promise, even at the cost of his own son, not just a ram in the thicket, but at the cost of the lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, given in substitute for us, slain for our sin, because you and I are covenant breakers. You and I are promise breakers. How do we know that we can trust God because God swore a promise on his own life and he kept it and it cost Jesus his life. And of course that promise wasn't simply to Abraham. Look at verse 17. The Lord wanted to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, he says, which included the Hebrews, the people to whom that letter was written. Verse 18, we who have fled for refuge. It says in verse 18, that included the Hebrews. You know who else it includes? It includes you. Paul says in Galatians chapter three in Romans chapter four, that anyone who believes is a child of Abraham. Anyone who believes the promise inherits the promises. Anyone who believes inherits those promises as a child of Abraham. So when the Lord swore that oath to Abraham, he's swearing that oath to you in this room. He's swearing that oath to everybody here who believes in those promises of God to make you his own dear people, his mighty possession, his people whom he has sworn to protect and keep you safe through all eternity. God made that promise to you if you believe. So how do you know you can trust God? Because God swore a promise and it cost his son his life to keep it. When it's hard to believe because of the circumstances in your life, there are hard things going on in your life, when it's hard to believe that you are beloved of God, protected by God, held safe by God, all you have to do is look to the Lord Jesus who not only pledged his life but gave his life on the cross in fulfillment of an oath 
we see a trustworthy God who makes promises but keeps promises to sinners and covenant breakers like you and me. The Lord gave the life of His Son, the Lamb slain on the cross for us, that we might be cleansed of all of our guilt, that we might be set free from our slavery to sin, that we might be counted righteous before Him forever, even though we are the ones who break promises to Him all the time. He's the faithful one. His word can be counted upon. His word can be trusted. How do we know that we can trust him? Because he's made an oath and he keeps it. But maybe like me this morning, you would love to have some kind of tangible sign. Maybe, have you ever thought, it would have been great to be like with Abraham there and see this amazing thing, this smoking fire pot go by and think, that's the Lord making this promise. I would, I would have loved to have seen that. I would love to have this tangible sign. Lord, I'd love something to see that, that I can verify. You, you're a God who makes promises and you keep them. Well, there's good news today. The Lord's tender and gracious toward people like you and me who find it hard to trust that he's faithful. Because he's given us a sign this morning. Where do we find it? We find it in the Lord's Supper. We're going to come there in just a few minutes and we receive a sign and a seal of God's oath of a new covenant, the body and blood of Jesus, a representation of his unbroken promise, an oath fulfilled at the price of the life of Jesus, his body and blood, that we will be with him forever as his dear children. If you wonder if you can trust God Look at the cross and come to the table. Have a fellowship meal with the one who made a promise to you and he's given you a sign to prove to you he's kept it. Look at the cross and come to the table and you find a God you can trust. Another reason we know that we can trust God is his character. We know who he is. We know what he's like. And taking refuge in the character of God gives us strength to trust him with our eyes of faith when we can't find our way forward with our earthly eyes, when the road seems dark, when things are hard to find our way through in difficulty in this life. In what way? Well, why do you trust a person? People in your life, what makes you trust them? It's because you've been through things with them, right? You've experienced who they are through hard things. You've, you've found out who they are because you've walked with them through things. And that's one of the reasons we can trust God completely too. Look again at verse 17. It says, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, that's you, again, remember, that's you. When he wanted us, when he desired to show more convincingly the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with his oath. His purposes are steadfast. He wanted you to know that his purposes are unchangeable. His, his character of purpose for you isn't fickle. He doesn't change his mind on a whim. He isn't going to think about loving you today and then forget about you tomorrow. He doesn't change his mind with the wind. His purposes for you are unchangeable changeable. That's his character. You all know that 
I've been battling persistent migraines for 30 years. And uh, that's not why I wanted to tell you this story. What I'm wanting to tell you is that sometimes that chronic pain that I have makes me prickly. Some of you might have experienced that before. I know Missy has experienced that before. I, some days I can be solid of purpose. I can be kind and gentle one day. And then the next day, I can be the worst porcupine in my house, just prickly because I have a headache. But God's not like that. God doesn't treat us with amazing kindness and gentleness one day, but then the next day, he treats us differently because he has a headache or he's got something on his mind or he's got a lot going on and he doesn't have time to fool with little old you today. That's not like God. He has an unflappable character of faithfulness to you all the time. His character of purpose, his unchangeable character of purpose for you is goodness and blessing all the time for you. His determination to save you cannot be deterred by your sin in your life. Nothing in your life can deter God from his purpose of blessing you because he set his affection on you through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's his character. Instead, it's as the old Puritans used to say, there is more grace in Jesus than there is sin in you. He has an unchangeable character of purpose for you. So we have verse 18, this strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. That is, we hold fast to our hope of knowing who God is. We're tethered to his character of steadfast love and faithfulness and forgiveness in Christ, that unchangeable character of God. That is our steadfastness of hope. That's what we hang on to when our earthly eyes can't see our way through the darkness of circumstances. But with our eyes of faith, we hang on to who we know God is. He's unchangeable. His purpose is to love us and never fail us. His love is an always and forever, never stopping, never giving up kind of love, and it will never change. That's the bedrock of our hope, that's his character. But sometimes when we're in crisis, our hope is set on things getting better. You know what I mean? We call out to God and we pray things are gonna get better, which obviously we should do. But sometimes when things begin to get better, we start to feel better about life and we start to feel better about God. When things get better in our lives, we begin to say things like, my goodness, isn't God good? Because things have gotten better. And we begin to have our lives and our hopes buoyed because we've had a change in circumstances and we begin to think, associate, God is good because my life has gotten easier. God's good because my circumstances are, are better. I feel more comfortable, so isn't God good? But what about if things don't change? Is God any less good? What about if things do get better for a little while and then the troubles come back? Is, is God any less faithful than he was? Is God's unchangeable purpose of blessing and goodness and kindness to us any less? Is, is his character any less than it was just because my circumstances didn't change? You see what I mean? 
Our hopes don't rest on the shifting sands of changing circumstances. But our hopes grow and are secure when we begin to dig deep into what will never change. And that's the character of God and His unchangeable promises. That that God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Even if my circumstances don't get better. Do you believe that? God's character, His purposes for you are unchangeable. His intent to bless you is unchangeable. His eternal purpose for you is held safe and secure for you, even if you struggle to see it with your earthly eyes. We walk by faith, not by sight. Because what the Bible tells us that is that our God is good. His character is one of steadfast love and faithfulness. And he will never fail us. Sometimes we struggle to see it. But his character is unchanging. Let me illustrate it this way. My grandmother, my, my father's mother, used to quilt. And that's a lost art. I, I wish more people quilted. Um, we have some of her quilts at our home. And if you've ever watched a quilter do her work, uh, there's, there's this, I don't even know what you call it, there's an apparatus where you stretch the quilt out over it. And if you see it on the top side, you see the pattern and it's beautiful. You see the stars or the squares, you see it all the seams together, you can see what's done on it. But if you flip the quilt over before the backing is put on, it looks like a mess, doesn't it? You see the knots, you see the seams, you see thread everywhere, you see strings going this way and that, and it just looks like chaos. And you would never in a, in a million years guess the beauty of the pattern if you looked at it from the backside. You would never guess the intricacy and the, 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 the way the colors fit together and the beauty of the seams if you looked at it from the backside of the quilt. All you would see is a mess that's half done. Here's the point. Don't ever assume that the Lord has no design and no purpose in your life because you're looking at it from the earthly side because you're looking at it with your earthly eyes and all you see are knots and pulls and seams that don't seem to fit and strings that go this way and that and your life feels like chaos. Don't ever assume that that means God has no purpose, that God's character is somehow flawed or that God has somehow forgotten about you. Because when it's flipped over and you look at it from God's perspective, you see a beautiful tapestry of how you fit into God's grand design of beauty and goodness and blessing and how your life fits into the tapestry of all of his people all around the world and across the generations and it's glorious to behold. And you may not be able to see it from your perspective. You may not be able to see it with your earthly eyes. All you can see All you feel is chaos, but don't assume that's what God is doing. You can trust God because you know who he is. 
You know what the Bible says about who he is? He is a God who makes promises and he's made an oath to you. He has sworn to keep his promise to you and he's given the life of his son to keep it. Even when we fail him, he will not fail us. And he will walk you through the chaos of your life and bring you home safely. He will never fail you. Just like our choir sang, he will never fail you because of his unchangeable character of purpose for you. You can trust him. Finally, you know that you can trust God because of his son. Jesus given for you. Look at verse 19. The steadfast anchor of the soul, Jesus, the hope that is entered into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone, a forerunner on our behalf. Well, what's going on here with that curtain? Well, these Christians with a Jewish background knew exactly what that meant. You might too. The curtain is the curtain in the temple that separated the holy of holies from the most holy place. And behind that curtain was God's very presence that dwelled in the midst of his people. And the only person who was allowed to go behind that curtain was the high priest and only once a year. And when you read curtain, don't think the drapes in the front windows of your home. This was a curtain that was thick. It was as thick as the width of a man's hand, and it was like a giant sign that said, keep out. Because of the perfection of God's holiness that couldn't mingle with the sin of humanity in his very presence. But Jesus... Our high priest, we're going to study that next week in chapter 7. Jesus, our high priest, who also is the Lamb of God, the sacrifice slain for us, has entered into that holy place. He has gone behind the curtain as a forerunner for us, the pastor tells us. A forerunner is one who makes a way in which others follow. He's like a trailblazer for us. He's made a way for sinners like us to be brought into the very presence of the holiness of God without fear and without trembling, but instead in confidence, the author of Hebrews says. Why? Because the Lamb of God was slain for us. And his sacrifice has has removed our sin forever and always from us. So you now have access into the very presence of the holiness of God because of the work of the Lord Jesus. And so what that means is you can trust God because God himself welcomes you into his holy presence. Think about what that means for just a moment. The one who holds all things together by the word of his power. The God who created everything. The God who is the governor and sustainer of all things. The God who is perfectly holy. The God who will make everything right on the last day. That God welcomes you into his very presence. And he does not cast you out. That God who oversees every detail in the universe says, come to me and I will give you rest. That God says, come dwell in my presence. He welcomes you. If that one who rules and controls everything welcomes you into his presence, don't you think you could trust him? 
with the details of your life. But there's more. It also says that Jesus is not only our forerunner, he's our anchor. You know how important an anchor is in the middle of a stormy sea. You know, the anchor goes down, it's thrown from the ship and goes down into the, to the rocks of the ocean floor and holds fast to a chain or, or a rope so that the seagoing vessel isn't whipped around in a storm, not cast about, but it's held fast. But what would happen if you're on a ship and the anchor's down on the bottom and you're the one who's holding the anchor rope? The swells are like 20 feet and there's wind, 50 mile an hour gale winds. How successfully do you believe you could hold that anchor line and keep that ship safe? There's not a chance. There's no chance that you could hold that vessel safe. That's where this gets really beautiful here. The anchor of our souls, Jesus, rather than being thrown down, is hurled up into heaven. And our hope is not that we're strong enough to hold onto the rope and make our way into heaven. But instead, this rope or this chain is permanently attached to the forerunner and it permanently links you to him. The Bible says that we've been joined together to Jesus. It says it like 145 times that we are in Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul says. That means we're joined together to Jesus. We are linked together with him, inseparable with Jesus. It's like there's an unbreakable chain, an unbreakable rope that ties you to Jesus and he has gone ahead of you as a forerunner. And where he has already gone, it is guaranteed that you shall follow. That's what it means as he's a forerunner. Your life is tethered to Jesus's, but is sealed by his blood, sealed by his life and his death and his resurrection. And your hope is not that you're strong enough to hold on to the rope. Your hope is that you are joined to Jesus. Your hope is that you are tethered to the forerunner who has gone into the heavens. And because he's there, you shall follow. And it's not a a guess. It's a certainty because you are joined to Jesus. Your hope is that you are bound to Jesus. And because he is there, you shall follow. Because God has promised. He's made an oath and he has sealed it with Jesus' life in Jesus' blood. And so, friend, when your faith is failing and your strength is lost and you're feeling like your trust in the Lord is flagging, remember that your hope is that Jesus has lashed you to himself. You are tethered to Christ and he will never, ever let you go. That's where your hope is found. You're tied to Jesus through faith. So how do you know you can trust God? How do you know that you can trust in something that's deeper than just optimism? When the cancer comes back, when the relationship's falling apart, when your life's in tatters, when when the storm has blown everything that feels solid, when it's all blown away, how do you know you can trust God? Because God himself has sworn an oath to you. And because the character of his purpose for you is beyond reproach. And because he's proved it to you in his son. You can trust God. He promises. Let's pray. 
Lord, we pray that you would help us to trust you and know that we can trust you with everything because of who you are. Lord, there may be people in this room who've never trusted you with their life. May today be their day that they would give their lives to you as their Lord and Savior. May they trust you because they are sinners, but you are a greater Savior. Save them. Or others of us in this room, Lord, who we need you to rekindle our faith. Would you revive us again? Would you help us to know that you are fully trustworthy with whatever's happening? Go with us and guide us, O Lord, we pray. Walk with us in whatever circumstances we face and prove yourself trustworthy because you are our tender Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.